Romans chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 5 down through verse 12. Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 5 down through verse 12. Notice the Bible says, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another man esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now that's an important phrase right there. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. For he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. To this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That last phrase is another very important phrase. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written... As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We're looking at Baptist distinctives, those truths, those things that we hold dear that are very distinctive to a Baptist church. Let's pray, and uh, we'll look at this evening's distinctive. Father in heaven... Uh, I am grateful for the midweek prayer service. I thank you for the folks who came out. I know there's some folks sick. Others were at the doctor. Lord, no doubt other issues that folks deal with. So I'm so grateful for the folks that are here. Bless our study of your word. I ask, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit, God. I present myself anew to you this evening. Pray your spirit would be our teacher. Pray we'd be strong in what we believe. I pray that it would be more than just what we believe, but affect our lives how we live our lives. Please bless now, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about Baptist distinctives. Now, what do we mean by a Baptist distinctive? As we've been saying, it is those convictions that set us apart from other denominations. Now, I made this statement before. I want to reiterate it here. And this one we're going to look at tonight uh, ties in with this. But we are not a Protestant church. The Baptist church is not a Protestant church. What is a Protestant church. If you join the army or military, whatever way, I think it's on there. You have to check off uh, Catholic, Muslim, Jewish, or Protestant. Uh, actually, if you uh, tr- understand what you believe, if you're a Baptist, you would check other. Uh, Protestant church is a church that protested the uh, indulgences and the extremes of the Catholic church. They were people who protested. Martin Luther was a founder of the Protestant movement. Um, uh, John Calvin, uh, Zwingli, uh, various others, John Huss, they were protesters. They protested the sins, the crimes of the Catholic Church. They did not intend to leave the Catholic Church. They simply wanted to correct the Catholic Church, and they were pushed out. Thus, they were protesters, Protestants. The Baptist Church did not come out of the Catholic Church. The Baptist Church is a church that holds to distinctives that are traced back 
to the New Testament church. Our distinctives, these that we're looking at, can be traced back to the New Testament church. In fact, we get our distinctives from the New Testament, from the Word of God. As I said so often in this series, my concern is not whether the New Testament church was a Baptist church or not. My concern is that we are a New Testament church, that our Baptist church be a New Testament church. So what are these distinctives that we make such a big deal about? Well, first of all, you remember we noticed that we said the Bible is our sole authority. The Bible is our sole authority. I recommend you jot these down in the margin of your Bible somewhere, just a good handy reference. And you notice, as I pointed out last week, we have an acrostic going. B for Baptist, the Bible is our sole authority. A, the autonomy of the local church. And by that, as we said, we mean we vote on our own pastor, we elect our own officials, we decide how the money is decided, we seek the Lord, He directs us, but we are autonomous. We govern ourselves. We are not under some other hierarchy. So, B for Bible is our sole authority. A, autonomy of the, Baptist ch- of the local church. P, the priesthood of the believer. And every single believer has the right and uh, uh, access to God's throne uh, in prayer. We can go directly to the Lord. Then, the last two weeks we noticed the T stands for two ordinances. Baptism and Lord's Supper. Tonight we have the I in baptism, and it is this, individual soul liberty. Now that's a strange phrase, but um, I want to try and explain what we mean by that. Individual soul liberty. I like to add on to that, individual soul liberty and responsibility. Individual soul liberty and responsibility. What do we mean by individual soul liberty? We mean by that that every individual has the liberty to choose what he believes is right in the spiritual realm. Um, No one is to be forced to accept any belief against their will. The individual has the liberty to choose how they should worship, what they should believe, and how they should worship God. Every individual has that liberty. Uh, Individual soul liberty. Baptists have always opposed persecution. You read back through history, the distinctives that make a church a Baptist church, uh, the individual soul liberty has kept the Baptist church from ever persecuting others. We have always opposed persecution. You read through history, you never find a true Baptist church persecuting others for what they believe. Now, I know some individual churches uh, that kind of got haywire a little bit and would be awfully uh, hateful towards others who didn't believe they do. But you never find the church, the Baptist church in general, persecuting others or forcing others to accept any belief Uh, at all. No one is to be forced to accept any belief against their will. Here's something very interesting. If you'll study the history of the church, you'll find that a Baptist church has never sought to set up a Baptist state. In other words, as a state religion. You've never, all through history, you never have a Baptist church trying to establish a state religion where every citizen of that state has to be a member of the Baptist church. You never find that. Why? Because the Baptist church believed the Bible teaching of individual soul liberty. Every individual Christian, or it would even apply to unsaved, uh, every individual person has the liberty to worship and serve God as their conscience dictates to them. Nobody can force someone else 
to believe uh, the way they uh, think they should believe. Individual soul liberty. Individual soul liberty does not mean that an individual has no responsibilities concerning the Word of God. Uh, It does not mean that we're not going to be held accountable. Nobody can say, well, it doesn't matter what I believe because I have individual soul liberty. It really doesn't matter. Oh, no, no. We're all going to be held accountable before the Lord to how we studied and understood the Word of God, how we applied it to our lives. So it doesn't mean there's no accountability. It doesn't mean that we don't have any responsibility to study the Word of God and determine what God says is so and then apply it to our lives. Yes, we do have that responsibility, but no one else can force me to believe and worship and serve God the way they think I should. I can determine that myself from God's Word. That's what we mean by individual soul liberty. Um, And by the way, that does not mean that the church has to accept anything another Christian chooses to believe. Um, For instance, Brother Andy's there. Andy can choose to believe and worship God as he sees fit. He can study the Bible, and he comes to certain conclusions. That does not mean that our church has to accept that. It does not mean that we have to approve that. It does mean we cannot persecute him for that, and we cannot force him to believe the way we do. We can't get into office and set laws that you have to believe the way the Baptists believe and everybody's forced to do that or you go to jail. That's unscriptural. So individual soul liberty. Let me give you a little outline and try and uh, apply this here uh, in our lesson tonight. Number one, what is the definition of individual soul liberty? Now, I kind of already gave it to you, actually. The definition is this. It means every individual has the liberty to worship and serve God as their conscience dictates to them. Every person has that liberty. That means that each of us as individuals are free to study the Bible on our own. You do not, uh, no priest or father or religious leader can ever get up and say, you cannot study the Bible for yourself. I will study it for you and I will tell you what it says. That is unscriptural. By the way, there are religions to do that. Now, I know some of you think I'm attacking the charismatics. I'm really not. But there's a church in our community, and I know this from a fella uh, that I really respect. Everybody here, if I said his name, you would know who I'm talking about. He was in the service, told me firsthand, this is the way it happened. Uh, They were in a revival service a number of years ago. It might have been 10 years ago. They were in a revival service, and an evangelist come in. The first night of the service, the evangelist made this statement. He says, don't bother bringing your Bibles this week. I have a word from the Lord. I have a word from God, a revelation from God, and I'll be telling you what God has for us this week. Now listen, that is contrary to Scripture. And to this man's credit, he said he got up and left. He said, that's too far for even me. He says, I'm not buying that. The Bible's our authority. And so basically what that fellow was saying is, you cannot know God's Word. You don't study it for yourself. You just take what I say is God's Word. That is unscriptural. Baptists do not believe that. The Baptist church and myself, this church, is not afraid of their members reading and studying the Bible and determining for themselves what the Bible teaches. That's individual soul liberty. It means that we have the right, we are free, to read and study our Bibles for ourselves. It means that each individual Christian can read and is able to interpret the Bible for themselves. They have that freedom. 
They have that liberty to do that, and they can come to their own conclusions. That is what we mean by individual soul liberty. No one is ever to be forced to accept any doctrine or any form of worship against their will. We cannot force people to do that. Now, we can, and I'll tell you, we will disagree with people who come to conclusions contrary to Scripture. We'll disagree with them. We may denounce them at times. We will try and persuade them to see things the way the Bible presents it, but we will never persecute them for having another uh, understanding of Scripture. Do you follow what I'm saying? Uh, We may fuss with them. We will. We'll fuss with them. Uh, We may rebuke them. We will seek to exhort them, but we will never force them to believe what we believe, the way we believe. We'll witness to people, we'll try to teach them the Bible, we'll try to be an example to them, but we will never coerce them to, uh, and force them to believe what we believe. Um, it's interesting. You read your Bible very carefully, particularly the Gospels and the book of Acts. Now think with me a little bit. How many folks are still awake? Raise your hand. All right, it's about half the crowd. Think with me for a little bit. How many folks here have ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? You've read them through. All right, so most people are familiar with what I'm talking about. Anybody here ever read the book of Acts? All right, very good. So you're familiar, hopefully, at least somewhat, what I'm going to talk about. Think back with me through the Gospels, through the book of Acts. The people who were persecuted. Can you think of one instance where you had a genuine Christian persecuting another person because they did not believe and worship God the way the Christian thought they should. Is there any instance of that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or X? No, not one time. You don't find any of the apostles. You don't find any disciples. You don't find any Christian in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or Acts persecuting, stoning, casting out, uh, hurting someone, or trying to force someone to believe the way they do. In every instance, it is unsaved or, or unsaved people, whether they're religious or not, it is always those who are persecuting the Christians for believing what they believe. It's always the Pharisees or the, uh, the disciples of Diana in Ephesians uh, or uh, folks in uh, Thessalonica, unsaved men of baser sort, the Bible says in Acts, that stone Paul and persecute the disciples and throw Peter in jail and uh, throw kill James. It's always the unsaved religionists. It's always the unsaved people who are trying to force the Christians to abandon their faith and, and forsake their form of worship and fit in with them. You never have true Christians persecuting the unsaved, demanding that they trying to force them to believe what they believe. You never have them persecuting the Pharisees, forcing them to abandon their ceremonies. It's always vice versa. And so what do we mean by individual soul liberty? We mean that every person has the freedom to study their Bible themselves, can come to their own conclusions, and worship and serve God as their conscience dictates to them. I ran into this uh, several years ago. We had family was here in the church and their daughter was going to elementary school here in the community and um, during lunch I think it was the daughter gave out a bunch of tracts it may have been track month I, I, I think maybe it was and the daughter gave out a bunch of tracts to all the kids in her school little chick tracks little cartoon tracks um, 
the teacher saw what she did, collected them all up from all the kids, made all the kids hand them in. This was during lunch, it wasn't during class. Collected them all up, kept them to the end of the class, and then gave them back to the little girl and says, you're not allowed to do that in school. That's illegal. Don't do that again. So her mother came to me on, on that Sunday. That was a Friday. The mother came to me on Sunday and told me what happened. I said, have her take them back to school again. I said, that teacher's wrong. Have her take them back to school again and don't force her, but tell her that if she wants to, to give them out again, the teacher's wrong. So she did. She took them back to school again, gave them out at lunch or recess, whenever it was, and I talked to the mother and made sure it wasn't disruptive in class. She goes, no, it wasn't. Gave them all again. At the, uh, the teacher saw what happened, collected them all up, sent the little girl to the principal and said, that is illegal, you're disobeying me, you need to go to the principal. The little girl was crying, scared to death. I think she was third grade. She got down to the principal, the principal said, don't you ever do that again, that is illegal, you cannot do that in our school, you cannot do it in public schools, and they would not give the tracks back to her. So the mother called me up that Monday evening, told me what happened, Tuesday morning I called the Christian Law Association. I told them exactly what happened. They said, do you have a fax number? I said, yes, we're going to fax you a five-page letter, and um, you need to ask the school for this certain thing that they're supposed to have on file, which, by the way, ironic as it is, Bill Clinton signed into laws the Freedom of Religion Act and basically said that you don't have to check your religion out when you go into the public school. You can practice your religion to, to some degree in the public school as long as it's not disruptive. And they were to have that on file, and I was supposed to show this five-page, um, it was a court case and a letter from the COA to the principal. I did that. They did not have the file on file, and they took the letter. I got called into the superintendent of Garrett County Schools and went and met with him. I called COA. I said, what do I do? They said, ask for that file. Let them see the letter. That's all you got to do. I said, all right. So I went in. He didn't have the file. None of the schools had that thing on file, that statement on file. And he kind of laughed at the letter. I got back. I called the COA. He said, don't you worry. That's basically what she said. Don't worry about it. The letter will do its job. You demand from them three things. One, an apology to the little girl telling her that she did not do wrong. And uh, number two, we want an apology to the parents. And number three, we want um, uh, uh, to be reassured to this girl that she can do what she did and she will be able to continue to do that. So I waited about two weeks. I got called up again, said, hey, we'd like to meet with you. Met with him. And he says, you know, we looked over this, and uh, uh, we believe she's probably allowed to uh, give these tracks out. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, we want two things. <laughs> we want three things. We want to meet with the principal and the teacher. We want an apology to the mother and the daughter and reassure her she did not do anything wrong. That needs to be corrected, and we need to be assured that she can continue to do this in the future. Well, the superintendent got a little aggravated with me. Well, he already was, but when I said that, he got really aggravated. And he said this. He said, Reverend Leatherman, anytime they call you Reverend, you know something's up. He said, Reverend Leatherman, if we allow this girl to give these gospel tracts, and he said, by the way, I'm a Christian. They always are when they oppose you. They're always Christians. He said, by the way, I'm a Christian. He says, but if we allow this girl to give these tracts out in school, that means we would have to let the Jehovah's Witness and we would have to let the Mormons give their literature out also. I said, you know what? It's called America. 
I said, we don't agree with Jehovah's Witness. We don't agree with the Mormons. But in our country, and our doctrine tells us that we cannot force others to believe and practice contrary to the way their conscience believes that they should uh, worship and serve God. Now, we don't agree with the Mormons. And when they were here Sunday night, they met with uh, uh, Brother, um, Mor- uh, Brother, um, Brother Mormon, <laughs> Mike Mormon, Mike Barden. And uh, the whole thing Friday night was saying, hey, you're wrong, you're unscripturable, scripturable, brother. Uh, We're saying that, and we will fuss with them, we will rebuke them, we will try and teach them what the scriptures are, but we would never say it's illegal for them to worship the way they feel they should worship. And so this man misunderstood individual soul liberty doesn't mean we approve of what they believe and the way they worship. doesn't mean we say it's okay. We simply mean nobody's to be forced to worship and serve God contrary to what their conscience dictates. That is a Baptist distinctive. I'm going to explain the significance of that here in a few moments. But that's what we mean by that. Every person is free to worship and serve God as they see fit. So that's the definition. Number two, the demands of individual soul liberty, the demands of it. With liberty always comes responsibility. With freedom comes responsibility. I like what Paul Harvey said, not our Paul Harvey, Harvey, the other Paul Harvey. He said, until, and I'll see if I can get this right. He said, self-government without self-discipline will never work. Now think that through. Self-government without self-discipline will never work. In other words, if we don't exercise responsibility with our freedom, we will lose our freedom. What ha- why, does a, why are there police uh, in our community? Why do we lock our doors? Why do we restrict our freedom? Because there's people who do not take responsibility for their actions. Right, follow what I'm saying? And so, with this individual soul liberty, that's why I said at the beginning, with individual soul liberty, there is also responsibility. And the Bible teaches that. Look at Romans chapter 14 here. Look at verse number 4. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own, what? Master he standeth or falleth. What's he saying? He's saying every one of us need to understand we are responsible to the Lord for our faith and for how we practice it. It's not just anything goes. Now, everybody's free to come to their own conclusions, but you must remember that with that freedom, with that liberty, there is a responsibility I have before the Lord to make sure that what I believe and how I practice is according to the Word of God. Come with me, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a few pages away here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice with me verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. This is a familiar verse. For we must, what? All appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now look at this. That every one may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, you and I and all mankind, individuals, are free 
to come to our own conclusion as to who God is, what He is like, how He is to be served, how He is to be worshipped, we can come to that conclusion. But we must never forget that we are responsible to that God. We are going to have to answer to Him for what we believe and how we practice. We do not answer to a government for how we worship and practice. We do not answer to another man for how we worship and practice, we answer to God Almighty. And that is the demand of individual soul liberty. Somebody says, well, yeah, praise the Lord, I like that distinctive, I'll just believe whatever I want, it doesn't really matter. Oh yeah, it does matter, we're accountable to God. It is going to matter. So the demands of individual soul liberty, we must all answer to the Lord. Though we oppose, we strongly oppose Forced faith. We are against the government telling us what church we have to be a member of and what we have to believe. We are strongly opposed to that. That is American as apple pie. But it wasn't always that way. We are opposed to forced faith. But, now this is what I hope you'll get, we do not simply accept whatever someone chooses to believe. Now, everybody in Garrett County is free. They have the liberty to worship and serve God the way their conscience dictates. But we as Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church are not obligated to approve of how they worship and serve God. You follow what I'm saying? I read some churches. Uh, I, was, I was preparing this message. I, got, I read around what some other churches said about other Baptist churches. One particular Baptist church used individual soul liberty to say, oh, you can't say anything's wrong. And so therefore they have Catholics in their church on their platform and Lutherans and Seventh-day Adventists and everything else in the world because they say everybody has the liberty to worship the way they want. Who am I to say no? No, no, no. They're free to do that, but I don't have to approve of it. Our church doesn't have to accept it. We also are free to say, hey, no, the Bible says that's wrong. We are opposed to that. Now, we can't force them to believe what we believe, but we all have the responsibility that if it's contrary to Scripture, then we are to deal with that. The church has a responsibility to oppose and separate from unscriptural doctrines and practices. Now, we say the people have the freedom to hold those doctrines. They have the liberty to practice like that, but we have the responsibility that if it's unscriptural, to separate from them. Let me give you some verses here real quick. I hope you'll look at these verses with me. I hope you'll take note of them. Go with me back to Romans here real quick. We're going to race through here. <clears throat> but I really hope you'll take note of these. Romans chapter 16, last chapter of the book of Romans. Look with me, if you would, at verse 17. Romans 16, verse 17. Now, I beseech you. Paul's saying, I'm begging you. This is under the inspiration of God. I beseech you, brethren... Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the what? Doctrine, which ye have learned and what? Avoid them. He's saying, here's somebody out there of their own liberty. They have the freedom to believe a doctrine that is contrary. And, uh, but we are to mark them. We're to say, hey, that doctrine is wrong. That word mark there means uh, mark out, indicate, draw attention to the fact that, that, that their doctrine's wrong. Mark them. And what's the last phrase tell us we're supposed to do? Avoid them. What is that called? That's called separation. 
They're free to believe that. They have the liberty to believe and practice as they want. But we have an obligation. If what they choose to believe is contrary to Scripture, we are to draw attention to that, mark that, and separate ourselves from them. That's what Sunday night was all about. Marking Mormonism, saying that's a false doctrine. We'll separate ourselves from that. Come with me, Wood, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Again, just a few pages over. Verse 9. And I can't dwell on each of these uh, that long. Look at verse 9, 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 5, 9. Paul, again, under the inspiration of God, I wrote unto you an epistle, not to company with fornicators. You could write in the margin of your Bible, Separation. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you, verse 11, not to keep company, if any man that is called a what? Brother. Brother. The only people in the Bible called brethren are who? Christians. So he's talking about a Christian here. He said, if a man be called a brethren, and he be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, in other words, constantly getting in fights, a drunkard, or extortioner, he's stealing stuff, with such a one, no, not to eat. He says, we're to separate from them. And even if the fellow is a brother, even if he's a Christian, but he's acting and choosing to act contrary to Scripture, we are to separate. Come with me, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is a familiar portion of Scripture. I probably don't even have to read it for most of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Look at verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He doesn't say persecute them, force them to believe what you believe. He says get away from them. Separate yourself. If what they choose in their liberty to believe and worship and practice is contrary to Scripture, you don't force them, you don't bring violence on them, you separate from them. Turn with me, if you would, quickly. Uh, just one more passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians. Now, we could go to scores of Scriptures through the Bible. I'm just pulling these out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Notice with me, if you would, uh, verse number 6. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which ye received itself. That word disorderly means outside the boundaries given in Scripture. Look at verse number 14 with me. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. That word note that man means point out, mark, identify. Uh, Verse 15, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So what I'm trying to say is this. The demands of soul liberty, though we have the freedom to choose how we worship and how we serve God, there's a responsibility. We're going to have to answer to God. And we as a church do not have to accept how anybody decides they're going to worship to God. We have a responsibility, if it's unscriptural, to separate from them, to point out their false doctrine. And that's why we preach against Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and any number of other things. It's why we don't, that's why I have not joined the ministerial association. 
A Lutheran preacher is free. We would never force him to be a Baptist. We would never force him to believe the Bible. He is free to believe as he chooses to believe. But I have a responsibility, if it's unscriptural, to separate from it. So you follow what we're saying? So I don't want us to misunderstand what this individual soul liberty is. It doesn't mean ecumenicalism, that everything goes. Because we do have to answer to God, and we have a responsibility, if it's contrary to Scripture, to remove ourselves from it. I said there was three points, there's only two. I want to give you a few interesting facts. Massachusetts, Brian's not here, rats. Do you know Massachusetts, when it was first colonized, was set up with a state church? The congregational church was the state church. It was required by law that every citizen of Massachusetts be a member of the Congregationalist Church. Uh, And if you did not attend services, so many services a month, you got a fine from the government. The people in Massachusetts, all every citizen was a member of the Congregationalist Church. They did not pay their tithes to the church. They paid church tax. And that tax went to the government, and the government built the buildings and provided the salaries for the pastors of the Congregation Church. That's in the United States of America. That's, that's, that's a fact of history. If you would refuse to attend certain services, you would be fine. A fella, three fellas, and um, man, I didn't write their names down. It skips my mind right now. Three fellas came up from Rhode Island. They were going to visit a fella that was a member of the Baptist Church in Rhode Island. They went up to Massachusetts visit with him. He'd been kind of going to the Congregationalist Church with his family. They said, we're not Congregationalists. We're not going to that church. So they had their own church service in their home. The sheriff showed up arrested all of them, put them in prison. They had a court. They were fined. They could either pay the fine, I don't remember what it was, or get so many whippings on the post. Two of the guys paid the fine. The other fellow, man, I wish I remember his name. I'll tell it to you later. Um, uh, He says, I'm not paying no fine. If you're going to whip me for worshiping God the way I think I should worship God, then go ahead and whip me. They whipped him nearly to his death. That was in Massachusetts, United States of America. Forced worship. If you didn't have your children baptized as infants into the Congregationalist Church in Massachusetts, you received a fine. You could be arrested. Um, In Maryland, for a brief period of time, it was a Catholic colony. It was for Catholics only. Um, In Connecticut, Presbyterian Church was the state church for a period of time. This is before they were states, they were colonies, but it was the state church. And if you did not, if you were not a member of the Presbyterian Church, if you did not uh, raise your family in the Presbyterian Church, if you did not attend it, you were fined, arrested, whatever they chose to do. North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia, the Church of, of England was the state church. Did you know in one year's time there was 40 Baptist preachers arrested and thrown in jail in the state of Virginia? before it was a state, in Virginia, uh, in one year's time for no other reason than to preach uh, doctrine contrary to the Church of England. As in the United States of America. Pennsylvania, Penn's Woods, William Penn. What was William Penn? What was his? He was a Quaker. Now, in Pennsylvania, it was a little unique. They did not have a state church. They didn't force you to be a Quaker. They had this thing on their books. We tolerate other religions. Now, there's a world of difference between having your faith tolerated and having freedom for your religion. 
In other words, they said, this is the official belief of the state, but we'll tolerate you if you have a different. Now, there was one colony that did not have a state church and did not tolerate any other religions. That state, church, that, that state was Rhode Island. Rhode Island was founded by a Baptist preacher by the name of John Clark. John Clark, being a Baptist, believed in individual soul liberty. And Rhode Island did not tolerate other religions. Rhode Island said you are free to worship however you choose. How many people recognize the name uh, Thomas Jefferson? Anybody recognize that name? Somebody needs to tell them we can hear them talking. <laughs> we can hear you guys. Thanks. Um, how many people recognize the name Thomas Jefferson? All right, yeah, this is high school history. Thomas Jefferson was part of putting the Constitution together. He lived in Virginia. Thomas Jefferson was attracted to the Baptist. He won one himself, but he was fascinated by what they believed and how they practiced. There was a Baptist preacher, very bold, would preach in the, in the streets and in the um, squares of the, of the towns. His name was John Leland, Virginia Baptist preacher. He'd been thrown in jail a few times. John Leland, uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson was attracted to John Leland. And he had meetings with him. He'd sit down. He says, tell me what Baptists believe. He would go here and preach. And John Leland told uh, Thomas Jefferson, he said, uh, he says, when you put the Constitution together, you must allow for liberty of conscience, liberty of worship. They weren't going to do that. The United States was not going to do that. Thomas Jefferson pressed the issue. He, he was convinced by John Leland, and he went in there, and he pressed the issue, and the very first amendment is the result of the influence of a Baptist preacher. Isn't that an amazing thing? Individual soul liberty. It is very, very important. We would never, we would fight. Listen, I believe Jehovah's Witness are dead wrong. Mormons are absolutely wrong. But I tell you what, we'll fight to our end of our lives to defend their freedom to believe the way they want to believe. Individual soul liberty. Our, our persuasion is not with violence or with arms. Our persuasion is with the truth. And so... Very important Baptist distinctive. Individual soul liberty. Let me ask you a question. Are you practicing that right? By that I mean, are you studying the Bible for yourself? Are you, are you believing things for yourself? Are you just taking whatever the preacher says? Now, I'm flattered that you trust me that much. But I certainly hope that your convictions are your own convictions and they're based on the Bible. I certainly hope that your faith in Jesus Christ is your own. And not because something somebody else says, but based on the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray you'd help us to understand.